Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. Raphael Fiedler. And now, gentlemen, we like to kind of pride ourselves on our nerding, so I want to get a gut check here. Matthew, on a range from Jerry Lewis in The Nutty Professor all the way up to comic book guy from The Simpsons, where do you rate your nerdism? It's uh, very, very high. So pro probably exceeding comic book guy and going oh. into into something, uh, yeah, what, 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 uh, uh, Stephen Hawking. That's, oh. that's about my level. That's some nerd cred. Nerd. Okay. Yeah. Good pull. Good pull. Rafty. All the way from Eddie Murphy in The Nutty Professor, all the way up to Professor Frank on The Simpsons. Where do you rate your nerding? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm more mainstream nerdy. I don't know. I, I think I'm more tracky nerdy. That's that's the way I'm going. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And, and I like to think, from my, from my own perspective, that I've got some deep nerd cred. Um, uh, I don't want to list all of my my credentials right here. Oh, please go ahead. No, 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 we've no. got time. No, I don't think so. I instead, I would like to bring on someone who blows us all away in terms of nerd cred. Uh, <laughs> I I, I want to introduce to you Andy Hartzell, um, a colleague, friend, and compatriot uh, for many many decades now. Damn, and uh, we're old. And uh, explain how he's been sort of a Forrest Gumpish character through many different genres what? of nerding uh, <laughs> throughout his lifetime. That is the most backhanded compliment I think I've ever heard. <laughs> it no, it, it's a good thing. Believe because Andy switched jobs about as often as I have, except he's More, had. I think. Yeah, yeah. Except he, <laughs> um, he, Andy, welcome to the show. How's welcome, that? Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was a, I was going to say, because I thought you were going to pose that question to me, that I have a complicated relationship to, to, to nerd to nerddom. Because I, although I myself am not a nerd, all my friends have always been nerds. So, <laughs> and all my, nerd adjacent. And I guess all my uh, jobs have been nerd jobs. So, you know, maybe I am a nerd. I think there's different flavors of nerding, Andy, and, and I don't think you're aware of just how big a nerd you are, no matter how how constrained you'd like to I make. Maybe even though I don't think I, I I may not have have seen any of the movies that you reference. Obviously, I've seen The Simpsons, yeah. but I have not. I don't. I never saw Eddie Murphy in The Nutty Professor. You're not missing much. I think I've seen Jerry Lewis in The Nutty Professor. You're also not missing much. <laughs> Except my dad has very similar mannerisms, so seeing Jerry Lewis at that time frame is very uh, discordant to me. Um, I almost saw Jerry Lewis. I did. I have been to the uh, the Labor Day telethon in the middle of the the like at four a.m. when we were living in Vegas. We were living in Vegas long ago, so I guess in a way I. I have a relationship. To you're you. one degree of separation from Jerry Lewis. Okay, so now you're sidetracking this. So let's let me introduce who Andy is. Andy is the all-American clean-cut nerd who grew up in the Midwest. Correct. 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 Just okay. Lake Michigan from you. In one of those lesser Midwestern states. <laughs> and you took an early interest in art. I did. Yeah. And then and then you went to school for art. No, I did not. I was an English major, but um, oh shit, I didn't know that. Uh, but I did. 
um, get into, I mean, we, we can't, we're not going to tell my entire life story that will bore everyone. This is your <laughs> life. No, we're not going to do But that. I did no, get but... into tech through art. I was. Uh, okay. But this is uh, your first nerding. And this is where, this, see, this is where most nerds can't scratch this surface. You were a comic book artist, a no shit, a, a recipient and, yeah. and protege of Eastman and Laird of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle That's fame. True. I got my through the, the through the Zer through the Xerxes Grant Xerx Award. Xerx. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, and they subsidized you to be an independent, self-published comic book maker, right? Did yeah. Back about the time you, we met. Yeah, you were one of the earliest recipients of that grant, right? I guess I was. Yeah. What book did you make with that? Uh, it was called Bread and Circuses. Oh, I have that. It's it's not great. Oh, <laughs> well, it may not hold up. It's yeah. <laughs> it, but uh, yeah, okay. It's not your best work. <laughs> let me put it that let me put it that and I'm a big fan, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, the book that you're probably most known for mm -hmm. uh among again, n literary nerding, which is a form of nerding, is okay. Fox Bunny Funny. Right. Probably. And that was bestseller reviewed New York Times uh, Magazine, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, New York Times Book Review. Yeah. A long time ago. <laughs> uh, fantastic book. I highly recommend it. You can still find copies on Amazon. Go get it. We have several original, you don't call them cells, frames? What, what are they called from that? From that book, they're hanging in our house. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I didn't remember that you had, yes, I did. You, you have one of the um, kind of the, from the end of the book, the more elaborate. I have the big one. Oh, the big one. Yeah. 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 And then we have several of the smaller ones too. And we even have the stereoscope that you, you had those cards that you had given out of promotion. Yes, at small I just, I just recently dug those out of the attic and I was, I had forgotten about them. Yeah. So that, that I guess that's of, nerdy making stereo so view cards nerdy. out of your comic book, uh, you, I think allows you to be, um, it gives you uh, entry to nerd them. That's huge <laughs> nerding right there. And that was your springboard, right? Kind of, sort of. You had a claim to fame there now. You could hang your hat on something. People had heard you. Yeah, yeah. And that, in fact, got me into uh, games, uh, uh, writing for games. Uh, okay, now hang on. There's a slight transition here. Mm -hmm. You and I were colleagues at uh, Greenspun Media, the newspapers of the Sun uh, the Daily Sun in Las Vegas, and I was right. at the Las Vegas Weekly. I was playing Curse of Monkey Island while we were on a business trip, and mm -hmm. you said, what the hell is that? Yeah, I remember that. I remember this. <laughs> and, and I had to explain to you how awesome a game it was and what you did and walked, and you're just like, oh, so you just walk around and solve these puzzles? And I'm like, yes! You realize there is a new Monkey Island? That is... Another new one? <laughs> There's a new <laughs> one that's coming out. Okay. No, I did not. I want to get well, there. My colleagues, uh, we're skipping ahead again. Okay. There's a new Monkey Island coming out. <laughs> Who bought so the property? Um, it's, I don't know under what auspices it's done, but Ron Gilbert and Dave Grossman, who created the originals, uh, are back and they've created the new one. Nice. And, uh, friend, or Dave's a friend of mine and um, another friend worked on it okay so concurrently while you're making the comic book you were in journalism 
You worked at the Vegas.com website. You made game, Flash games when that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an interest. You know, this is a time when uh, there were many sideways ways to slide into tech. <laughs> it wasn't there wasn't a, a a a set path for getting into tech. So I was uh, an illustrator. I was uh, a caricature artist. I was a cartoonist, and I got hired on at the Sun mostly to do um, uh, to do art. To do a little bit of writing, but um, at the time, uh, one of the brothers who who ran the newspaper was interested in technology, Danny Greenspun, um, and started up a uh, an online arm of the newspaper, really more or less as a hobby because there was no way to monetize it at the time. This is '96, and I just sort of happened to drop into that group and was assigned to start making interactive doodads, um, learned uh, director and flash before they were called director and flash, and um, cre actually created a game back around, I guess it was like 96, Wall Pat In, the Pat Buchanan game. <laughs> during I that. remember that. I remember that. I got a Yahoo site of the day. Um, <laughs> you know, you played uh, Pat Buchanan trying to brick put a wall in the United States to prevent the evil uh, Mexicans, Canadians, uh, uh, sumo wrestlers, and um, and uh, uh, Germans from breaching the wall. And the Austrians. <laughs> you can't have the Austrians involved. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you had some pretty big success in something that was a very nascent element of our field. It was, yeah. It was doing online games that was, was still very new. And that's actually how I... Uh, through comics and through um, through these these games is, is how I made contact with Dave Grossman, who was one of the Monkey Island uh, people. Uh, also did Day of the Tentacle, LucasArts adventure games of the CD-ROM era. Yep. And I have memories of playing through. Did, did any of you ever play Day of the Tentacle? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I yeah. did. I, Rofty is going to really be hard. so clueless right now. Rofty's yeah. a generation <laughs> younger than us. So he's only ever played good games, but you have to understand <laughs> Rafti at the time, those games were formative because they actually had scripts. They actually, they were, I won't say they were cinematic because they weren't these linear on the rails of uh, visual novellas that they are today. Instead, there were choices and there were endings, and, but they put effort into it. And LucasArts and Lucasfilm did, uh, 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 got behind a lot of these things too, right? They were, they were funny and they were full of, puzzles that were really sadistically hard to to uh to solve you know you have to uh you know you have to to to, to go into you know 200 years into the past and dry the, the 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 long underwear so that it shrinks up to the size of a hamster so that you can then put it on the hamster and get it to run on faster on the wheel and make the you know that these these kind of crazy baroque um Illogical, um, yes, counterintuitive, exactly. And yeah. you can find them. You can find them on GOG now on good old games. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And they're all ported into my. Yeah, Rafty smirking goes. There's no way I'm never going to play this game. But they were <laughs> they were nifty. They were kind of cool, and they had adult humor, and they were interesting. They I, were. I, I think. 
Um, and I loved them, and I, and I liked Monkey Island. And at that time, I was reviewing games for the weekly, too. So I was getting a whole bunch of free titles all the time and playing everything. Now, before you got into the gaming, I think you're skipping over something. I think you're I leapfrogging something. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. No, so um, uh, towards the end of the 90s, working in Vegas. Well, we had the, 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 the you know, this is, this is, again, an arm of the Las Vegas Sun, but the, uh, the, the, the head of our department had the foresight to purchase the domain name Vegas.com. And I think just the very fact of having the name Vegas.com meant that the site would not uh, end up being um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the online arm of the newspaper only. It, it, it morphed, <laughs> you know, just inevitably it morphed into a marketing site for casinos. And, and it was uh, always profitable, and, unlike and, the newspaper. Yeah, it became quite profitable. I think it <laughs> may still be profitable. Probably is still profitable. I think it but is. It, it wasn't the kind of thing I, I really wanted to be doing. And so I, I, I took that as a, uh, um, um, uh, a kind of a warning to, to go looking elsewhere. And at that time, we were in the height of the dot-com bubble. And my partner and I made the jump to the Bay Area to be a part of the the great pets.com i mean i we didn't join pets.com but it was that <laughs> it was that bubble the zeitgeist and, um and uh we had like three glorious months of you know every time we'd ride on public transportation there'd be these 25 year old millionaires talking about you know how how much uh you know how how much their options were worth uh, and then it popped. It popped like three months. The bubble popped like three months after we moved uh, to the Bay Area. And I ended up uh, at um, Leapfrog, the the uh, toy company. Rafi, are you familiar with Leapfrog? Is Leapfrog even still around? Okay. So now this was another big thing in edutainment. My kids had the, all the Leapfrog products. My, you know, they're all in college now, but, but yeah, yeah. that was that. Of that uh, and that's because of LeapFrog that they were yeah. accepted into college. <laughs> yeah. Cause I certainly did not contribute at all. To, <laughs> they're from Kentucky. So LeapFrog <laughs> probably taught them everything they know. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I guess I've had a history of kind of getting into things that were kind of early stage or um, kind of new platforms. And at the time, uh, Leapfrog had just uh, debuted the LeapPad, which was a, a, a talking books platform um, um, with paper books that sat in a, an electronic bed and you touched various points with a, with a pen and, and they would, the, the, the book would, would speak to you <laughs> and you could learn to read. And we also had various games or beat the clock games and find, you know, now Rafi's nodding. Now you're familiar with what we're talking about. They probably called something other than leapfrog in Austria. It's like Leppenfrogen, right? <laughs> um, it was, it, it really was kind of pioneered the, um, uh, the, the, the genre of the, uh, what do they call it? The learning appliance or the, the children's the, the, the learning toys. Um, and what did you do to, for them? Did you that? write content? What did you do for them? Did you write content? Um, I was part of what was called the advanced concepts team. Um, and so we um, prototyped new toys, new platforms. 
Um, some of those were extensions to the LeapPad franchise, like LeapPad Plus Microphone or LeapPad Plus Writing. Um, others were new platforms. The, the, the one that, that ended up being kind of popular was the, the Leapster, which was a little handheld screen-based device, uh, you know, a, a kind of a uh, be, before the, before the, the the some of the you know when 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 that was still kind of um, new for young kids at least yeah that was like what my kids used to leap off of to not to make a pun uh, uh, to the uh, Nintendo DSs and stuff like that it was a, it was the precursor for the the five six seven year olds because it didn't have like a little screen it had a little stylus that you could touch on the screen yeah is, is that what you're talking about yeah well, it had, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, I remember that. I think we had, I think we have two or three of them still floating around the house somewhere. Nice. I don't have any of them. <laughs> they may be worth something. I don't know. I was just going to say, I bet they're worth something on eBay to to nerd collectors. I mean, this this it was an important thing in the line of edutainment. Kind of took a dive right around the same time. All of edutainment died pretty brutally. Um, Mattel took a bath with their software that they had purchased. I mean, it, the learning company, I think it was called. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's had a good long run. It still exists. And it's in my neighborhood, as a matter of fact. But, um, well, so when we had our first great flush of success, there were imitators. And one of those imitators, the one of the most annoying imitators was VTech. The is it Korean? Is it a Taiwan? Uh, uh, um, an Asian company that 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 mostly has a success in phones, but uh, created knockoff leap leapfrog products that were nowhere nearly near as good. Um, but they had deep pockets, and a couple of years ago they bought Leapfrog. <laughs> so Leapfrog has now suffered the ignominy of becoming just a vassal of its inferior rival. Listen to you with the the English <laughs> Listen, Being on a podcast brings out the vocabulary in me. <laughs> you should do more podcasts. It's it's worth noting to our three listeners that this is Andy's first ever podcast. Uh, the one genre of our industry that he comes late to. All right. <laughs> So, so after leap, you decided to leave Leapfrog, or they had a no, not quite, not quite, but we'll gloss over that. Okay. (laughs) So you went from there. Now you went from there into gaming, right? Um, I did, yeah. So I, I did. um, I take some time off. I did some freelancing. I did the um, uh, graphic novel that you had mentioned previously, Fox Plenty Funny. Partly on the side. What 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 is the name of that? Fox. Fox Bunny funny okay <laughs> and we'll put a link we'll put a link to amazon in the in the show notes uh, okay uh, thanks it is a, a wordless graphic novel it's told all in uh pictures it and, is powerful um, it is amazing it is award-winning it is awesome well thank you yes um so tell to, to bring some of these threads together it's kind of difficult to do with my career but um, Telltale Games was a resurrection of those LucasArts, Monkey Island, Day of the Tentacle style adventure games, which proliferated in the 90s, then kind of died. Telltale Games brought them back for the downloadable era, for the internet era. Um, and one of their uh, first titles, one of their uh, licenses was Wallace and Gromit. Um, and 
because as we all know, Gromit is a non-speaking character and they wanted to find somebody who could write for, um, for pantomime characters. And um, so they kind of contacted me and um, I, we, we talked and I ended up going to work for Telltale and um, created first Wallace and Gromit, um, you know, with, with, with other colleagues. Um, then uh, Sam and Max, another sort of um, nerd icon of the 90s, <laughs> yep. we brought back for uh, a couple of seasons, uh, which was a lot of fun and really a, a great, like, the, the, the talk about, you know, a rabid nerd fan base. Um, it was really fun to interact with them because I got to do a sort of an origin story for Sam and Max and a bunch of their uh, side characters, which is very fun. Uh, then I uh, was a kind of co-showrunner for, uh, and, and these were these were episodic games. So we would do a whole series, we would do a whole season of of, of if, uh, games. If anyone's not familiar with Telltale, which I would find hard to believe because they become such a powerhouse in gaming for a certain segment of gamer, Telltale has made its chops based on buying an intellectual property that either didn't have a huge showing in gaming already or the, the, it had kind of lapsed and reinvigorating it with the choice-based game concept, the, the diverging storyline. Choose your own adventure with those intellectual properties. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, that's, so a good, that's a good description. And, and probably my high watermark of my years at, at Telltale was um, uh, being a co-showrunner for Back to the Future. And working with Bob Gale, the screenwriter of the original Back to the Future, to wow. create a new uh, storyline, kind of a sequel. Um, and then recording Christopher Lloyd. And even um, uh, Michael J. Fox returned as a, for, for a cameo in that, in that series. Wow. You got to sit in a recording studio with Christopher Lloyd. You were in a I room got to with sit in a recording Lloyd. studio with Christopher Lloyd. I did not get to sit in the recording studio with Michael J. Fox. That was unusual. That's fine. I don't care about that. Christopher <laughs> Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd has much more parts. See now, okay, here, Rafty, I'm going to help you out here. Christopher Lloyd was one of the finest Klingons ever. Klingons. <laughs> okay. Wait. Yes. He was a Klingon? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, third movie? Fourth movie? I forget. Oh, the movies, oh, fourth, that's still the original series, isn't it? Yes, the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dating myself again. Oh, no. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> but I started rewatching the, the original series with my wife, so. <laughs> good man. All right, you're going to get some value there. And if it comes to Telltale Games, I, I also, I started playing Telltale Games with The Wolf Among Us, so that's. Okay. The oldest one that uh, that I played, and I did not know that there's a Back to the Future one or uh, uh, Gromit. What's Jurassic Park? Um, I have. Park. I did not know this, and I would yes. mostly describe them as games which are very narrative driven. So, um, you were saying like choose your own adventure, but I, from my experience, there can be very like in the gaming industry, very like light choose your own adventure where it actually doesn't have an impact at all, uh, or especially on the narration of it, but I think Telltale Games, if you don't know them, very cool stories. If you like playing stories or like an interactive movie, and I think one of the, their latest projects was uh, together with Netflix, the Minecraft thing. I think that was a Telltale game production as well. So basically they're doing movies now, which are 
partly interactive. So moving and, more towards the narrative direction. And I think they made all their money off The Walking Dead. I think that's Walking what Dead, yeah, yeah, was the was yeah. the big the big hit. Yeah. 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 Now the important thing is you were able to bring me in as a play tester, which that's is right. why Telltale was successful. <laughs> right. I got paid in pizza, but I got to play yeah. the new Monkey Island games as they were coming out. Can you also play Sam and Max? I did, and Back to the Future, and Jurassic Park. Okay. You, uh, Which is probably why Telltale had to have massive layoffs. And uh... <laughs> Your pizza was responsible. Uh, well, I'm just really not good for companies like that. That's <laughs> but it was a it was it was a cool place to work, and there were some very creative people, and and there was a sort of an auteur um, ethos uh, compared to other game companies, where you know for a particular title or a particular episode in the title, you know you you really you know got to kind of own it and and um, and work closely with the directors and the animators and and everything else to to, to produce something that you know, you you could really put, put, put yourself into. And you seem to be very proud of the work that you did there. And, and, yeah. you know, they were some cool games and you had a great audience and, and returning yeah. audience, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. All right. So you left them and then. Well, I went into, um, I co-founded a startup called Cognotion which uh for, for which uh we we did draft then into working for and contributing to all you've ever done is nice favors and, and <laughs> did work over the years that's that's a wonderful thing yeah cognition was about um languages well, teaching the um the idea was to bring some of the um um some of the mechanics of adventure games some of the things that make adventure games so sticky uh, into education, and um, initially we were we were looking for we were going toward a young audience. I uh, wrote and directed a, a learn Spanish series for middle schoolers called Too Many Tildes, um, <laughs> which was a which which by itself should be award winning. Right there. That's just that's yeah, the, the 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 tilde. You mean a little squiggly they put over yeah, the end yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was a, it was a video. It was it was a fascinating project because it was it was video. It was interactive video, um, and it was a, a telltale like kind of zany uh, storyline that um, we filmed in New York and also in Colombia um, using some really talented actors and cinematographers, um, and especially the month or so that. Uh, I spent in Colombia, in Medellin, in Cartagena, in uh, um, Via de Leva, a little um, kind of resort town in the mountains there, was really just a super fun experience. And a real after, hardship after sitting to in, you know, in office um, and, and, you know, just working with animators for some years to actually go on location and do, you know, have people... Falling into quicksand and getting uh, kidnapped and thrown in trunks of cars and 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 eaten by snakes and things like this it was um, it was fun. It was a choose your own adventure. It was a choose your own adventure. Um, 
So cognition, you did, and then you expanded beyond just the language stuff, right? We did. We we <laughs> we jumped into it without really doing a great market research, and we discovered that selling into the school market is um, just punishingly difficult. In that, you usually don't get paid for two years after you sell. You have to be able to stay afloat. <laughs> and wait two years to get paid, and it just didn't make any financial sense for us. So we pivoted to adult education and um, began, I think the the title that, that they've had greatest success with um, is a, um, a nurse's aid training for adults. Um, but but uh, as that project was ramping up, I bailed again, and I went into VR. Uh, which is uh, then became another chapter in, in my career. So I I went. Are to... you are you seeing why I'm saying he's peak nerd here? <laughs> <laughs> just cause you know you just you just uh, okay just shift gears go into the other hottest trend right now go yeah, yeah. right yeah. and 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 then once you you've gotten good thing. at it yeah I've been there done that move yeah. on to the next thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you went into VR with. A company... a company called iFluence, um, okay. which was founded by uh, uh, an old colleague from LeapFrog. Um, they were pioneering eye tracking and eye interactivity for VR. Um, now, the idea of using eye tracking passively as a um, as as a signal um, uh, it was something that was not that was not new. The the, the Distinctive thing about iFluence is that we believed that we could use eyes as an input mechanism. We could create UIs. We could create experiences that are driven by eye-based interaction by the eyes as well as or eyes and hands together. Now, um, now this is for for sci-fi nerds. Werner Vinge has talked about this for decades. His whole concept of having an an interactive reality was contact lenses. And you would drive the whole mechanism by micro twitches or focusing on a certain thing for a certain amount of time. And that it became intuitive just as a mouse click would be for the wearer. Yeah, the, 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 the thesis was that the eyes are the fastest moving organ in the human body. And the eyes are the organ that is most directly connected to the brain, you know, by, 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 by tons of, of, uh, of nerve fibers. And so if you want to manifest your intent or trans transform your intent into action through the eyes. The eyes, eye-based interaction should be the fastest way of, of doing that. Now, the challenge is, of course, that your eyes are not entirely under your conscious control. <laughs> they are, they're always <laughs> darting, you know, here and there and, and following um, um, cues that are really below the threshold of consciousness. So we had to devise ways. We did not want to do dwell-based interaction. We have to look at something for a certain length of time because that just feels slow. That's great if you're a quadriplegic, but uh, it's not great for the um, um, majority of, of people. So we, we developed uh, an interactive system that had to do – well, we won't go into it. <laughs> The, the minutia of it, but we we did develop an interactive system that was rapid and fairly accurate in that you could um, you know you could scroll lists you could you could go uh, drill down into into hierarchies 
you can make choices. You could order something from Amazon and have it shipped to your friend, all with your eyes, and all very quickly. Like we could, we were able to do side by side tests with mouse versus eyes, and you could, you know, you could do, you could accomplish these tasks quicker with the eyes. That is, you know, the, I just gotta say, that is so fucking cool. I mean, that <laughs> this is the kind of sci-fi shit I want to see us actually doing, and and all we seem to be doing for the past twenty years is putting a hat on a hat. But okay, it, it, awesome. <laughs> then I mean, what as happened? far as as far as demo, it made for a killer demo, um, and and when it was working well, you could put the headset on a, a tester, and it would feel like the the, the system was reading your mind like you'd think of something and and it would kind of manifest before you had fully formed the thought now that th it also sometimes got out of control and it sort of felt like you were in this sort of sorcerer's apprentice sort of cascading um triggers uh, kind of uh, situation where you'd you'd have to rip off the headset and and throw it across the room <laughs> but I just ordered 14 <laughs> copies of Ben's book and had them sent to Matt yeah yeah exactly but it, it was still it was it was cool enough that it got us acquired by Google, and so I ended up at at Google. They <laughs> Google Daydream their um, uh, mm -hmm. VR very successful VR headset. We all have one at home at, at the moment. <laughs> <Do you? laughs> Sorry, oh, Google Card. Are you talking about Google Cardboard or are you being no 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 no? Of course I don't. No, Google okay. Daydream is one of the many Google projects which they had so great ideas for. And yeah. back in the day before I, I had my privacy focused company, I was um okay. a Google fanboy to a certain extent as well. So yeah, no, of course I had a Google cardboard. Um but yeah, yeah. the daydream was right around the corner when I switched uh, to a little bit more privacy focused mindset. But yes, uh daydream of course for all the people who don't know was an a headset you could basically like the Oculus Go. It wasn't like you had did not require a, a computer for using it. And one was it was one of the first ones, and you had this little remote as well. Mm -hmm. but it was almost like a TV remote, so not like the headsets you're currently having. Okay, but sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you too long there. No, <laughs> no, we finally caught up to your time frame, Rafty. You know. Oh no, we were the barely there with. <laughs> No, I, I say, like, as I said, I did not. This was, like, right before I, I moved away from it. I always wanted an HTC wife. Friends of mine have some, but I... Well, I, I ended realize. up at HTC after Google, so... Oh, know. really? Okay, yeah, okay. But... Well so done, you have some Rafi, inside inform information on the next wife? Do you? Like, <laughs> I'm waiting for one. <laughs> if they're, if they're bringing oh, out well, another I'm one. Oh, I'm no longer there. So okay. I, I, I can't tell you when the next one's coming. Although she oh, pictures no. pretty cool looking with the uh, giant, giant eyepieces. No, and and of course, like HTC is not Google, so I hope they don't sell my data. It's not Facebook, so <laughs> same thing. That was, that was definitely a um, a selling point. I did not want to go. You know, I so I <laughs> we're 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 skipping forward, but we don't need to. I mean, I was at Google for three years. Um, but Google's commitment to VR, well, I mean, Google Daydream still exists, but they weren't, they weren't exactly sure mm. why they were in VR. They were in VR because Facebook was in VR. It's the reason why they were in VR. And they, I can they imagine. W wanted to cover their, their bases. 
they had some thought that, you know, VR was back in 2015, VR was the coming thing, the hot new thing. It was the hype cycle. And of course, you know, Google had to have, you know, had, had to be in that field if it was going to be the coming thing. Um, when it turned out to not be the coming thing, at least not to the extent that everyone expected, um, it, it was um, the, the the support for uh, um, was was not strong. You know, there was just it was just unclear. And, and, uh, they they went through a lot of pivots um, trying to figure out what why they were in the field, and and they kind of ended up just just jettisoning most of the VR and focusing on AR, which is which was probably the right decision. Um, and I made the jump over to to HTC to be their director of uh, HTC Vive Studios, director of uh, education training content. Um, and then that uh, well, and, and I was saying that there there was a lot. There's a lot of um, obviously anti-meta, anti-Oculus sentiment, and a lot of it did revolve around safety and privacy. I remember we had one. Oculus in the office, and we kept it in a locker uh, because we didn't trust that that you know that, that that Facebook was not you know kind of spying on us all through the. It was a shielded locker, I hope. It was, right? It was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lined in yeah. lead. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you were at you were at HTC for a while. For a while, for a while, yeah. I mean, this is when the pandemic hit. I was, you know, director of education training content. Most of the I was, it was working with a lot of very talented third party developers who were building training experiences and education experiences for you know for schools and for for the workplace for you know a lot of big companies, you know, like Ford and places like that, right? Um, when the pandemic hit, that was a sector that got hit very hard because even when people were still going to schools or to the workplace, they definitely didn't want to be passing around a headset from person to person. <laughs> and so, um, you couldn't make it mask enabled. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, there were solutions, but it, it still know, was, yeah. was became hit very hard. And, and HTC had some, uh, some monetary problems. Anyway, they ended up closing down the the, the, the whole office in in San Francisco, and uh, I made a jump to my most recent <laughs> uh, startup. I, I I got back into bed with some of the people I had worked with at previous jobs. The guy who had founded iFluence and um, some really great technologists, and we. Um, uh, another startup called Canoe, which is a uh, kind of takes us full circle back to Leapfrog in a way because it's a um, it's a platform for uh, grandparents and young grandchildren to play together. It's an app based platform Remote. remotely, right? Right. Um, and uh, um, that's that has been the last couple of years. Until the most recent we contraction, so I'm no longer there. 
but I wish this has just been a series of, and then I did this, and then I did this. I know. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. This is one of the things that I just absolutely love about Andy's story and, and knowing Andy is that through all of this, there's been all the evolutions and touching all the different areas within the industry. That's, that is fantastic. And that's why I think it's Forrest Gumpish because you've got to see, you got to have your fingers in all those pies. And I even think you skipped a couple because I, yeah, I, but you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was Cognotion the Saudi project or no? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. It was. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also another wild project. It was. Um, yeah. Uh, so, wow, that, that is all fantastic. Now there's other things I want to touch on to, to just pick on Andy some more, but I'm going to open it up to Matt and Rafty questions, gentlemen, based on this amazing bio, anything you want to drill down on? Well, it's, it's, it's tough not to fanboy out a little bit here, Ben, because Uh he, he, he's talked about so many things that I've had in my life and I've grown up with, and my kids have grown up with, I'm sitting here going, wow, without Andy being in the world. (laughs) <laughs> so many things would have been different for the last 30 years. <laughs> really? I mean, <laughs> everything from, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I still have a copy of uh, uh, Monkey Island and, and, and Maniac Mansion and all those LucasArts games. I even bought the, uh, the, uh, the, re- the, the remake of Monkey Island. They re-released it with updated graphics and stuff like that on Steam or, or mm-hmm. good old games or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, that to the leapfrog to, to everything. Um yeah, this is this is like finding out that there that that, that magic is real. That there actually is someone who, <laughs> <laughs> who has been doing these things, you know, behind the scenes for all these years that I never knew existed. But now I realize, gosh, without Andy, uh, things would have been so much different. It's like it's a wonderful life, you know. You're, yeah. you're like, <laughs> my life has has <laughs> except there's no bells and no angels are getting any fucking wings. You're gonna stay as an alcoholic father who beats his kids. Yeah, <laughs> Zuzu pedals are just going to cry forever. <laughs> Rafti, did you have any questions or anything? Or, well, I as you were like, I remembered when you were talking about Leapfrog, and of course, I don't know how the licensing worked with Europe and stuff, but like, um, Tip Toy by um, I think Ravensburger is the company that's distributing it in in the German speaking area. Um, Ravensburger is, is distributing Leapfrog. No, Tip Toy. And but it oh, sounds right, very right. different, diff, uh, yeah. very very similar. I I say, um, but they're doing this in Europe. And uh, and from a technology perspective, I'm uh, like two episodes ago. I think we said on the podcast, I just became a father. So for me, it's very interesting uh, teaching teaching kids, like having educational stuff. Very interesting. Yeah. So a lot of the things you touched on where I'm like, well, this is all interesting. And with VR, I'm sort of like, I'm sad. I, as I understand, you're not in the VR sector anymore at this point. I'm not. Um, I may be dipping my toe back in. I've been talking about at least doing a project, a VR project um, in the near future. Okay. Because from a, from what I'm thinking, and maybe this is this is where you come in. From from the perspective of like technology, usually is the thing where people are like, well, um, if you're like playing too many video games, this makes you dumb or maybe aggressive or stuff. <laughs> and if you're doing, and now with VR, I think the the situation is the same where people are saying like, well, um, you're isolated too much, you don't interact with people and stuff. And having more educational stuff in there, and <laughs> and I heard this on other podcasts as well, where people are like, well, having a, an Oculus Go. Um, so the Facebook product for all 
you out there. I, I, I'm not endorsing and recommending it, but what they're saying is, well, the kid is even more like entertained by itself than if you give them an iPad or something, because the iPad, you can, they can, they're still aware of what's happening around them. And I'm not, I'm not saying that this is how you should teach your kid. Absolutely not. But from a perspective of if there would be educational content on there, I can imagine that this can be still a force for good and still like with this new technology. And what I'm sort of like the angle that I'm approaching with is you're helping new technology do good stuff and not just being um, like time dumps and waste of time for, for people who are just like consuming product, but you're actually Platform helping for, them. Or ads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you're helping getting those those new technologies to a point where it's actually improving society. And I think this is a very cool uh, place to be and a very cool resume. Your Wikipedia page does not mention as many things of this of, of the steps. <laughs> like the last thing it mentions is like Telltale Games. And I was excited when I saw that one. But then uh, apparently you, you were not with Telltale Games for the games that I have been playing. But um, yeah, so I was like... there. Uh, um, Walking Dead was still in production when I left. I contributed a, a little bit. I actually I did write I think one scene of Wolf Among Us. Um, but yeah, it was um, it, it was it, I, I left as that <laughs> they were just starting to hit their their stride. But um, but because the, 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 the the ones that I worked on were a little bit more in that LucasArts vein of being more puzzle focused and um you know they they moved into the the walking dead vein of being a little more mm -hmm. sort of moral choice focused mm -hmm. um kind of after my time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i'd say for the sensuous sounds of infosec where it's like about information as well i think the the information or what you bring to information how it's being shared is is a very cool thing and being like more about um, looking forward, teaching people, I think is a great mindset as well. And and stuff that in the infosec sector, of course, is something that we need to be aware of, that people around us with technology changing, with VR being a thing, and with like before that, uh, video games becoming more and more of a thing. And I think information, like infosec in regards to, to games is still bad. Like if you have looked into what how they operate, what they do on your system, a really bad place but like from an informational perspective i think you're you're pushing the envelope in a, in a very good direction yeah well yeah i would say you know just just thinking about where my career has really touched infosec i i think that the time in my career when i paid most attention to it was at ifluence and then at, at, at immediately after it, um, at, at the start of my google career in that because um, you know we, we were focused on on eye tracking, um, and um, we we were gathering a lot of data from people's gaze, you know, and and then digitizing that and and maintaining that. We had this whole database of eyes, um, and um, and and we were you know using it as training data for for AI, and. Um, of course, you can identify people based on their irises. Yeah, let's go beyond irises and retina scans, and you can go so far as to almost read someone's mind if they give you a tapestry, uh, a historic record of what they're looking at, how long they concentrate on something. Not only can they quickly order from Amazon, but you can intuit what they're going to do next based on what they've already done. 
Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, um, you know, things like when the timing of blinks uh, kind of indicates um, the progression of thoughts and when, uh, when, when someone and, and the size of the iris indicates or the size of the pupil. I mean, pupil dilation uh, um, um, indicates um, uh, whether someone understands can understand something or not. Um, um, uh, and of course, where people where people look, or when they look away, or when they look at you, or when they look away, you know, all of all of these are signals that that you know you can use in life to know if someone's lying, if someone's mm-hmm. not getting it, if somebody's uh, um, you know thinking of something else, and and all of this is potential information. You know, what once eye tracking is incorporated as part of the basic tool set for VR. This will all be available to um, <clears throat> to the developers, <clears throat> um, and you know, I'm sure, and they will use it. Now, there there is, you know, the 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 HTC the Vive Pro has eye tracking. Um, that's what I use, um, and my understanding is that that some of the the the, up, the, uh, the upcoming um, uh, Oculus uh, or Whatever they're calling it nowadays, <laughs> um, the go uh, and the um, uh, and the and possibly the Apple's upcoming AR um, device will will include eye tracking. So these are um, this is something happening. It's going to occur, and what it gets used for is something else. Now you said that's kind of the only time you really dipped your toe into infosec. I disagree. I don't know if you remember, but you and I were involved in some election tampering a few years ago. I have no memory of that. Of course you don't. <laughs> and if I had if I had eye tracking, I could tell whether you were lying or not. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it here for first here, folks. I don't think this is a federal crime because it was a, a purely uh, a state based uh, election. But um, while we were working on a story about the gubernatorial campaign in Nevada, we were in Panaka or Pioche. I forget which one. Would have been Panaka. I think, I think Panaka. Yeah. Panaka, Nevada. And uh, they were having a parade down Main Street. And the candidates were each in convertible cars riding along, as candidates do, waving at the crowd of maybe two dozen people. And we convinced some of the local teens who had been prepared to water balloon one of their friends who was in the parade to instead throw water balloons at the candidate for state comptroller. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Now you remember <laughs> though, don't you? <laughs> and and in the beautiful part of, of media uh, driving the narrative and eating its own, we then got to write about the candidate getting hit by <laughs> water balloons after we had instigated the event ourselves. <laughs> Now, I don't think that that uh, that resulted in her loss. I think she resulted in her loss for state comptroller. I, I don't think she ever had an opportunity to win. But uh, I find that interesting from an infosec perspective. Yeah, no, that was a that was a that was a very memorable road trip through <laughs> rural Nevada. And you know, the other thing I remember about that town, you know, a very tiny town in I guess eastern Nevada. Um, uh, that they were all really angling for, they wanted the n- nuclear waste. They thought nuclear yes. waste was going to be the salvation of the town. It was going to keep the young kids from wanting to move out 
because they would want to stay and work in the nuclear waste industry. Yeah, this is fascinating. For for those of you who aren't familiar with Nevada politics, there was uh, there is a site in Mercury, Nevada, that is basically a giant mountain that's been carved out to store nuclear waste. And um, the feds have been wanting this. The state of Nevada has been wanting this. I'm not exactly sure who is against this. It's pretty much the best idea for for doing this if you're going to have nuclear power. And the state had made a law that said no subsidiary jurisdiction could negotiate with the feds for storing that. And the mayor of this town was infuriated because he wanted to negotiate because the trucks, the pathway that the trucks had to get from California and elsewhere to get to get to the to the test facility to get to the the dumping facility he was saying well, come through our town we'll be the only town that welcomes you driving your trucks through all you have to do is pay our property taxes for the next 10 to 15 years and this would have been appealing to a uh, a local base that suddenly now could live quasi you know debt free for a while and that what they were hoping they could found their town on and and all the kids wouldn't stop running off to the big city to go be gamblers okay that um, makes a, that makes a little more sense thanks yeah, <laughs> thanks for looking yeah. at the details there yeah yeah <laughs> um i don't think that was ever going to stop i mean it was a town with one ice cream shop and uh there really was no draw in panaka to stay in panaka i think all the teenagers were on that their way hall Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The white horse or whatever it was, or yeah, iron horse, something like that. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. So, so election tampering, Andy. Don't say you haven't been involved in infosec. Okay. Okay. Right. I, yeah, I, I would. From not the aggressor standpoint. And um, I think I think that is a heck of a retrospective. <laughs> I think we put you on the grill for a lot of this. Um, I just. <laughs> I just want to dip into one more anecdote because I find this fascinating as well. And you tell me if you don't want to share anything more about this. Um, You are a member of an American medical dynasty. Yeah. You are you willing to talk about this? Sure. Sure. You're you're a Mayo by extension. (laughs) My father's mother's father was Charles Mayo of one of the Mayo brothers that founded the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and you know now elsewhere as well. So yeah, that's that's my family. And when you need uh, medical attention or when you want to have a physical, you go to either Rochester or well, what's the other one. I mean, that's, I, I, uh, I I have some. Like legacy, it's not. It's not like blanket. Uh, oh no, I'm. I'm. Sh- it's not for a hangnail or whatever. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, there's some. There's some. By being a great grandson, I get some. And they're collecting your data as much as you are getting medical treatment. I'm imagining. That, that's true. Yeah, there is. They're a, doing a whole lineage thing about that, it. I mean, they they do a database thing that you opt into and and uh, and and contribute to. Yeah, I and I find that fascinating as well. That's that is that's beyond the pale and beyond the norm. Very cool. Anything else you want to share with the audience while you're looking for a new job? Because one of our three listeners may be willing to hire you. <laughs> well, yeah. If you have any ideas for me, if you have a, if you know what, where, where, you know, you can share them with me. Outstanding. <laughs> no, I mean at the at the moment, I'm not I'm not rushing into anything. I'm just I, as I said, I'm I may be 
doing a VR project with some people and I'm back to cartooning. I'm, I'm, uh, thank you. Okay. That was uh, the next thing I was going to ask. You've been working on this book for three decades. Yes. Well, I finished that book Monday. And Monday is, is your biblical homage. Kind of. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that has taken 30 years. You finished it? I did. Where can anyone get it? It's, um, not yet published. It's, I, I'm, I'm talking. Then about, it ain't finished, Andy. So it's, it, 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 it's not. I mean, I think I will add a little bit more material before it's published, but, um, it's, okay. uh, I'm in talks with the publisher, let's say, and and then I'm I'm working on another uh, wordless graphic novel that I'm oh. about half through thumbnailing. Very cool. Okay, well I'm excited about that. Now, how many books has Monday been over the decades? Well, I've um, self-published four um, uh, kind of installments, and then the rest of it I just you know I did I didn't self-publish. I just I just did. On my own. Okay. So it's 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 all okay. collected into one one book. And how long will it be? <laughs> Page count when it? I'll be about 150. Okay. All right. Good size graphic novel. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let us know when that gets published. We will post it on the blog and and make sure we get wide distribution of that. And for anyone still looking, again, Fox Bunny Funny, uh, awesome, powerful book that holds up today. Absolutely uh, transfiguring. Trans. Thank you. Thank you. And sending, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. How was your first podcast experience? It was great. You made me feel right at home. This has been fun. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sure sounds like that. You're not coming back. It's fine. Yeah, oh, I am. No, I'm sincere. This is sincere. okay. When you do the next thing, we want you to come back on and tell us some more about the uh, the the gumpish lifestyle you're leading. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Great. Um, Thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you thank very you. very much. Uh, until next time, I'm Ben Maliso, and I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode of the Sensuous Sounds of Infosec. <laughs>